0: Mothers aren't supposed to have children who suffer. We aren't supposed to have children who die. And we're not supposed to make bad people. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amuddin, and the quote from today's episode right at the start was From The Push by Ashley Audrain. Now, do you or I we ever wonder about the expectations placed we're going to narrow down not say women but say mothers the caregivers in our lives did they really sign up where did the caregiving come from where they warned about it and the people who bring us into this world our mothers what do they go through it's not one-dimensional and this book let me know that the cruelties that mother's face the hardships of pregnancy of carrying that human inside of you the expectations placed upon you as a woman as a mother as a mother to be someday somewhere the mothers that you came from and also the love The irreplaceable, the irreversible connection that mothers have with their child, with their little girls, with their little boys, where that all come from and where it goes. What that connection turns into, what it morphs into over days and months and years and generations. If you can stomach it, I... Really learned a lot and took in a lot from this book, The Push by Ashley Audrain. It was released in 2022. It was making waves everywhere for a little while. And the interesting part about it was you never really knew what you were getting into until you got into it. The synopsis does not do the book justice, but also. You don't want to know more than what the synopsis offers you because then you would know too much getting into it. The pacing, the writing, the cadence of the words and the sentences and the phrases that the author brings to the table is absolutely unique. And I haven't read anything like this book in a really long time. Now as we continue through today's episode, let's take a glance at the Cela homepage. Black Waterfalls is the first featured title up on celalibrary.ca, and there are three featured titles up there in total. Black Waterfalls by Asma Zianit Khan, this is a police procedural fiction. Artificial Divide by Robert Kinjit is the second one. It's an it's an anthologies. And Love from Mecca to Medina by S.K. Ali is a family stories and contemporary romance that's also on the featured title. Now, SELA, we take a glance at the SELA homepage at the start of every episode because these featured titles get updated and there are wonderful blog posts up there. Posted by our friends from the Center for Equitable Library Access. And also, as I was scrolling through the blog, I realized in 2022, there were a lot of great moments and milestones for CELA. You can check those out by going to their blog post as well. Again, found at celalibrary.ca. But as you're up there, um, you realize, wow, there are so many great reads. The catalog is growing. The Sela collection now has more than 1.2 million titles for readers, listeners of audiobooks, ebooks up there, all kinds of accessible formats. In 2022, they expanded exchanges from other. Accessible library systems, both nationally and internationally, to increase the amount of titles that they have up there. And not just the titles, but the range of languages and formats that are now available for readers in Canada and readers internationally. So this is huge, huge movements for Sila. They also talk about their connection and partnership with Nels in the United States. So there's just a lot going on. And if you're not on Audible or audiobooks.com or anywhere else where you can uh, get your audiobooks in exchange for a paid subscription, go to SELA. And if you have a print disability, you can always sign up the signing up process is very simple the support behind the scenes is incredible and our friends always got our backs over there at SELA to make sure that these accessible materials get in your hands and we've made uh, a we've talked about and mentioned all kinds of partnerships and new initiatives that they've taken on to make sure that the things are still expanding right graphic novels and other ways of accessing your books not just on the apps and the daisy formats that we're used to but in plenty of other ways so the opportunities are still growing they're always keeping us posted and we will keep posted as well on this podcast On today's episode of AMI Audiobook Review, we're talking to Sarah Hillis. She joins us once a month for Know Your Narrator. And we're talking about one of the featured voices of Audiophile Magazine under Golden Voices. Her name is January Lavoie. And we're going to talk about how she was an actress, a theater head, turned into a prolific audiobook narrator, and we're doing that all on Know Your Narrator on AMI Audiobook Review. On the second episode of each month, we check in with Sarah Hillis, and she brings us Know Your Narrator, where we check out the voices behind our favorite listens so let's get to know the lives and backgrounds and fun facts about the people behind our favorite audiobook listens hello sarah happy new year happy new year i am looking forward to this voice i've never heard of her um i don't think that i had been privileged to listen to any audiobooks narrated by her but she's the second female we're featuring on here and is there a reason why you picked her for this month Well, her name is January Lavoie. Ha, good timing. I just thought, hey, why not do her in January? (laughs) Exactly. So tell us uh, about her a little bit. Well, January
1: Lavoie um, has narrated um, a lot of notable books, none of which I've read, oddly enough, but um, the Diviners series by Liva Bray, if you like, um, the sort of YA kind of fantasy genre. Uh, she narrated some books by C.L. Polk, um, including Even Though I Knew the End, which is the most recent one that she's done um, in 2022. And she's narrated uh, Camino Island by John Grisham and, and several other Grishams as well. And so she and she's done like memoirs and thrillers and romances and like any kind of book you could name. Mm. Uh, she was born in uh, Trumbull, Connecticut. Uh, and we don't know her age because I've never seen years. I've never seen dates. anywhere it's really interesting (laughs) so she's keeping a secret maybe yeah that's what i think i don't know (laughs) but um and she uh she studied theater at fairfield university and then uh went on to national theater uh conservatory in denver colorado to get her master's of fine arts in theater so she's done a lot of theater um she's done a lot of um stage work in plays and musicals and She's worked on soap operas, including One Life to Live, which I used to watch a long time ago, but I don't remember. Uh, it was, she was too late for me, I think, before it went off. I think it went off the air finally. But um, mm. in the 2000s, she was, uh, she, was, she was on there for a bit. And during one of her plays, uh, a, a voiceover agent, Sherry Hoffman, who's really well known in the voiceover and audiobook narration circles, I, I think a lot of narrators have her as an agent, um came to see the show and said, Would you be interested in doing voiceover work? So she got involved in commercials and other things. And then somebody said, Look, there's an audiobook audition. Would you like to try out? I don't know what the book was. But she said sure and they liked her. And uh, her first book she narrated um under an, an under a pseudonym. Uh and I don't know what book that was and I don't know what the pseudonym was this time. I can't I okay. couldn't find that. But she had she was kind of scared that audiobook narration would look bad on her resume back in 2008 or 9 uh which is interesting because i don't know that people think that now
0: no i don't think so but it's pretty wild that you know somebody went to go see her shows and and pulled her into something completely different than what she was even exposed to
1: yeah i think i think they were scouting um because because one of the people in the show was already doing voiceover work and ah. i think he, they said come come see the show and see what the actors are doing and see if you like anybody sort of thing so mm-hmm. uh, that was part of it and yeah yeah she uh, she was she sort of asked you know does it does it pay you know does it and they said yes it does <laughs> she was always a little concerned about that her. you know uh of course one would be yeah and uh yeah so she she's i think she's worked with pretty much every major publisher of audiobooks uh in in America and in, the, in the US and uh yeah she she she's a book lover so like a lot of our narrators she she wants to give the the listener the experience of the book as much as she can not the experience of herself but the experience of the book that she's reading cuz she she loves reading books too so
0: mm. yeah so the book that you said she uh did in a pseudonym which we don't know the title of is it that was her first book yeah So that's an interesting intention, right, to go into your first book with a totally different name. And I'm wondering if it's because she wasn't sure if she was going to do this long term.
1: Well, there's that. There's that. And it was also that she wasn't sure if the soap operas would keep taking her seriously. Yeah, that's true, Uh, too. Because because, um, even beyond the whole is audiobook narrating cool or not, you know, even beyond that, I think soap opera taping is it's really heavy schedules. Yes, it is. So you have to be be
0: available, right? Right, exactly, because it's, you know, weekly episodes and all that. But it's kind of the same thing that people face nowadays, right? Like years and decades later, we're still kind of thinking the same thing. You know, if you're in one project, are you allowed? Are you able to? Can you have flexible enough schedule to be in uh, a part of something else completely different, but also as much demanding as the other thing? And people who work freelance and contract in arts struggle with this all the time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I I I don't know few people that have successfully done like multiple things but it's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Um yeah, so I love I love she I, did, I heard a really cool interview with her and she explained that as she's reading her books for preparation, um she kind of casts her characters with with people that she knows in her life. So she has an idea of what the voices would be from the people that she's thinking that they they're like. Uh, hmm. which is, I, I kind of think that's cool. Some people use like TV actors and, and some people use people that they actually know right? Uh, to kind of get an idea of what the character will be like. And uh, yeah. And in the studio, she, she, she brings a physicality to her narration. She says like the interviewer asked her, well, how do you do men because you're, you're a woman and you have a female voice. and yes. Some women really, get, you know, exaggerated about it. And how do you, cause you don't seem to do that. How do you do it? And she says, well, well, you can you can make your voice do different things by by you know moving your shoulders a certain way or sitting a certain way very carefully because of the microphone obviously. Uh-huh. But but she she brings a physicality to her especially to her male characters I think to to emphasize it and to use her instrument which is what she calls her voice um you know differently for different situations. Which I just think that's really fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about that definitely because it it seems to be her process, I guess. Um but making that into a method is so interesting because like you said she's also picking people up or voices up from people she knows in real life, right? So is she trying to emulate that, their postures, their expressions, the way they, you know, speak with their hands maybe, gestures uh <laughs> and putting all that into her? narration as well like is she really trying to embody the the character or the person that way
1: i would say to a point because obviously if you move your hands around you're yeah gonna mess up yeah the it becomes recording, too right? theatrical for but, recording, but yeah. no she she does what she can physically to put herself in that character's place and she's she freely admits that some of her character voices get used in different books like it's not like she she absolutely has different voices for everybody mm. uh, because well you can't i mean you just couldn't <laughs> I mean, she's right, I forget, I don't know if I've had a number of how many books she's read since since she started, but she's only you know, 13, 13 or 14 years in. Okay. And she's read like a lot of books in that time because she just works and works and works. Yeah. Um. You know, and she's been named, she's won several Audi awards for uh, young adult fantasy and children's narration and, and you know, that kind of stuff, uh, best female. She's been nominated for best female narrator for sure. Mm uh for the audios, which are the American Publishing Association awards. Um and she's won earphone awards many times from Audiophile, which is just they're just little things they just do every every week or every month. They say which narrators got the earphone awards this month kind of thing. And and she's a golden voice at Audiophile magazine. Um she's since 2016 or so she's been best of in their in their best of list uh every every year, including twenty twenty two. Um, and I really think she's just, um, I haven't read a full book by her, I admit this, mm-hmm. but but I've listened to some samples and, and such, and she's got this crisp diction, which is good, but her voice is also warm and engaging, and she she sort of compels you from the, from the minute she opens her mouth, like, you're in the story, basically, the way she sets it, like, it, there's no sort of wishy-washy beginning, it's just like, here we are, you know, this is what you're talking about, and this mm. is what we're doing, and... And I think that's really cool.
0: Now, is that uh, the way you interpret it? Is that just a confident reader, or her style of bringing us right in? What would you attest that to? I think it's a bit of both. I think there's certainly
1: confidence there, and there's also um, um, she. And she she really tries to know the books that she's reading, of course, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. figure out you know how to how to set the scene auditorially, uh, I suppose, as well as via the narration itself, the the, the words. Has she
0: said anything about the way she goes into reads? You know, if she's picking up a book or a project, uh, how she preps for that, aside from what you've mentioned already, which is the, you know, the character characterizations, right? But how about, um, you know, I think I'm going to do this with this part, or this action scene is going to go like this. Is there a lot of that preparation? She tries not to do a lot of
1: marking like writing things down in the in the script or whatever uh because she she's a big believer in the moment uh so she has an idea of how things have to go right um but she lets herself she lets the narration kind of flow rather than sort of scientifically going all right well this like other than okay i need these kind of accents for these people okay. or that kind of stuff obviously she will she will <laughs> do that but um but she but she really tries to let her acting her performing just be uh because the moment can bring things out that that you didn't think it would and she and she really likes that about it um so she 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 feels confident enough to just let the book move along after she's read it several times and 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 knows it pretty well and uh, she doesn't she doesn't sort of they say you know well this sentence has to be said this way or this has to be done that way or the mm. like, one thing she does do interestingly is she'll sh- she doesn't believe in speeding up her her narration for an action scene she actually believes in sort of slowing it down um in a sense because it's not a- it's not a movie camera you can't you can't flip back and forth uh the way you can with a movie camera. You have to think about what the narrator's saying so you can get all the information in the action scene because it's a big it's a lot of words it's it's and I think she lets the the shorter sentences the the pacing of the the actual prose work for her instead of actually speeding up her own pacing um, so that people can digest it more. She she feels that that's how you should do that. She should do it anyway.
0: That's brilliant. I've never heard it said so well uh, or described so well because... There are all these different things, Sarah, that we point out, right? The difference between watching this as a TV show or a movie versus a book. And then even when we're reading, we say, well, what's the, what's the difference between human narration? And why do we connect more with this versus an ebook read with our screen readers? Or even reading physically or uh, visually or with Braille. And I think that, you know, the performance, as always, makes a huge impact on our, learning, our reading experience. And when she describes why she would slow down an action scene and really breaks that down for us it's like yeah that makes perfect sense yeah it really does yeah i think
1: it's pretty... um the other thing she said was she liked to she likes to listen to audiobooks but only when they're like memoirs read by the person that wrote them mm. she, she doesn't really want to hear other performers performing <laughs> she i think or herself <laughs> i agree with her on that she, she she just she wants to read um like if she wants to hear a book narrated it's because she loves reading anyway she'll just sure. read Something yep. with her eyes, but she wants when she wants to hear a book narrated. She wants to hear the person that wrote it, and it it's about the person
0: because that's what's fascinating to her. Mm-hmm. Really. And uh, I guess in those senses, do you put a lot of pressure on people reading their own memoirs in terms of performance?
1: I personally don't because uh, some of it is like the publisher says you should do this, and they're like, okay. <laughs> I don't think they're all <laughs> always so keen to do it. So if I hear a memoir, it's a little different for me than an actual yes. professional narrator.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and you said she does a lot of accents, right? Yeah, like she generally. can do,
1: like, goodness, she can do um, English and Scottish and Irish and uh, different accents from India, different accents from Africa. Like, mm. she she really tries to, um, to to do what she can. Um in terms of that. Um, she is um she is of color. So she's done a few um uh memoirs. Like she she helped to narrate Coretta Scott King's memoir with uh, Felicia Rashad uh and Coretta Scott King, but she did some of it too. Um so she she works in that space sometimes too. Those kinds of memoirs, especially. She likes to do that because she think it's very important to her that that this these voices get represented. And, yes. Uh, she wants to help do that.
0: Yes, and um, I've talked about, you know, in different occasions on the show, uh about different narrators finding their impact that way, just knowing that they're them being chosen as uh, the representation of that person's, you know, either bipoc uh identity or this character's bipoc identity or whatever is a uh, huge it means it's very meaningful to them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they I think I think everybody I've I've heard um who who has has participated in in narrating books that are important to them for those reasons that they say that to me uh, or not to me but (laughs) to their interviewers yeah I don't go around talking to narrators all my life
0: (laughs) yeah no for sure (laughs) so you said uh she likes listening to audiobooks when they're memoirs and she's a big bookworm does she talk anything else about her theater coming back into her narration. Uh
1: yeah she she uh she 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 jokes like most of them do that when you're narrating uh everybody gets their lines right <laughs> that's the <that's> a... <laughs> um you don't have know to nope. play, you don't have to <laughs> yeah it sounds like everybody seems to do... and do a porter said it if you're the people who right. cuz you don't have to work off someone and go well they said that wrong what do i say now you know yep. you get to do it yourself uh <laughs> and again it's, it's, and she, she helps other narrators too. And she says, like, the big thing is to learn, again, to tone yourself mm. down because you're not speaking to a room, you're speaking to a microphone and somebody's earbuds, you know? Yes. Uh, so you have to change, change registers in that way. But, yeah. uh,
0: and she says she's yeah. a
1: visual re- learner. Um, yeah, she, she's very visual. She, she reads, um, everything and, and, and the words get, Pushed to her brain very quickly from her eyes there's no sort of interpretation needed she she can go pretty fast that way uh, so she that's part of the reason why she doesn't listen to many audiobooks either is because she's really not it, it doesn't help her the way it might help somebody else to to get the book better she just doesn't it, for her it's a bit
0: of a barrier, so she mm. just reads it because it goes
1: in her brain easier that way
0: yeah yeah, I mean, I love listening to any of these narrators talk about what's important to them that the listener gets from this experience right so what they're bringing to the listener uh specifically or you know what they think is going to be that capturing point when we pick up their audiobook so it's cool because you talked about what she finds important as well right yeah she just she, she just she says that she's a lens through which the book is focused so
1: she's not the book she's she sort of shapes it for you um as it's shaped on the page she tries to shape it for for the for the audio uh you know audio file i suppose for the mm-hmm. for the listening right so so she she really wants to put herself kind of in the background and the book be the important thing and she really she says when people say to her you know i feel like you narrated this book just for me like she really thinks she's done her job well because yeah, you know people really feel special
0: yeah and it's true. And I can imagine how wonderful that feels for the person narrating that book. Um, why don't we end it on what, did we talk about this already? What an acting teacher once told her uh, that she sticks with. Uh, yeah. I didn't say this specifically yet, but uh, the acting teacher
1: said, uh, you know, you have to be afraid. You have to be confident enough to go out onto the thinnest device and let it break beneath you and not be afraid that it will like not be afraid of that because, That's what what I was talking about when she she doesn't want to script herself too much with her narration because she just wants the moment to kind of take over and and let things
0: happen more spontaneously. That is fantastic. I'm really, really impressed. Uh, We'd all have to go and find something by her, January LaVoy, so that we can uh, check her out and remember all these different points that we talked about today when we're listening to her actual book. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you in February. I don't know if we'll feature someone in February, but whoever we feature will be <laughs> fun and awesome and uh, a wonderful narrator to have on Know Your Narrator. I'm Ramia, I'm the host of AMI Audiobook Review. We'll be back next week, and we'll check in with an avid audiobook listener on that podcast episode and their recommendations for us. And until then, happy audiobook listening.